The Guardian. The Guardian live at the Edinburgh Fringe 2008. Thanks very much for downloading the best of week three of The Guardian live at the Gilda Balloon. I'm Miles Jupp. John Gordillo is an established comedian and director, working with comedians such as Eddie Izzard and Reginald D. Hunter. He's back on stage himself this year with a show ostensibly about politics, but really it's more about his dad. Before we say hello to him, uh, let's hear what the audience at his show last night thought. Witty. Um, Sincere. It made me think of my own parents. The emotion was a lot higher. I think there was a lot more emotion in his comedy than other things I've seen in Edinburgh. So, yeah, it was really good. Stakes really funny. I want to meet his dad. His accent was spot on. Very good. Yeah. You enjoyed it? Yeah, a lot. I thought it was very good. Yeah, it's, great. it's a great show. Definitely. Recom- highly recommended. Please welcome John Gordillo. Uh, emotional, thoughtful, witty, excellent, highly recommended. Uh, the audience last night... We're drunk, yes. <laughs> now, your show, your show is meant to be about politics, if that's the case, mm. but it's, it's become, become more well, about it's your sort of Yes, so sort of the idea of it originally was that it was about sort of fundamentalism and about the men- just the mentality of extremism. And it's not so much about sort of the rights and wrongs of the war on terror, just as much as what is that mentality that, you know, divides the world into two and it's us and them, and they're always the problem. We are never the problem. And But as I was making it, and, and what's happened is that in the coming to Edinburgh, because once you stick it in that room, people seem to like the story more. They seem to like it if there's an actual development of an idea over the hour. So lots of stand-up, proper stand-up that isn't about me and my dad has just been cut, because what's really driving it is really just a whole bunch of arguments with my dad, who is like a really rabid communist. Right. And, and that's what I grew up with, was just this just very intense fundamentalist communist guy who just shouts in post offices and is constantly on a, you know, just raging for the workers. And he has, in a way, in, as I perceive him, the same mentality as the Al-Qaeda people. But, <laughs> but it's a different philosophy. It's not the same philosophy, obviously. <laughs> but the shape of their belief is quite similar. They, have, you know, they dream of this kind of utopian future and they don't believe you should engage with the enemy and, and all the rest of it. And so, and so from there, I, I sort of realised, well, the show should really be... If I'm going to be honest about it, then the show should really be about my relationship with him and, and the arguments that we have and how, not just the political disagreements that we have, but how the fact that our whole relationship, even in stuff that's got nothing to do with politics, is totally political. It's all based around, let's not piss Dad off, you know, let's just, let's, <laughs> let's keep Dad, uh, you know, because he can be quite sensitive, so let's keep him safe. But he's a sweetheart, I mean, he's a very generous kind of sentimental man as well. And he's, he's, he's a full-on full on Spanish person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that, I mean, I mean can, you, can you, without spoiling too much of your show, could you, could you briefly do your... Oh, dad? yeah, yeah, sure. Oh. It's, it's very, very simple. He, he's been like this. this is, you have to believe me, this is a very good impression of my father. He's, uh, I'm a communist. If you don't fucking like it, you can fuck off. I don't care. You don't fucking do me. And he'll do that. He'll get, he'll get lost. He'll wind himself up on his own train of thought. <laughs> so he'll start off normally. Oh, very good. You don't fucking like... Well, you fa- don't you fucking look at me like this. You know, <laughs> boom. And he's there, and, and it was obviously very much like being brought up by Scarface in my childhood. It was <laughs> he's very... But, and, and he's not a violent man. He's not a physically violent man, but he's emotionally a violent man, and is in many ways, because of his background, a troubled man. There, there are things... But then he's one of these guys who piles on his own troubles. He creates... You know, it's, he has had a tough life and a tougher life than me, but, my God, he looks so often for the trouble in life and for the, you know, he looks for the sign of being undermined and, 
and so on. So he's, he's like a little mini dictator. <laughs> he, is, he is actually, in his personal politics, a Nazi. He is the opposite <laughs> of his political beliefs, which is, which is what the show is sort of me trying to sort of figure out. What's that about? But I'm, trying to ask, but I'm trying to ask bigger questions as well. But obviously, I've clearly got dad issues, and that just takes over the whole fucking thing. It's <laughs> so. silly exercise get across the month. Do you, do, you, do you spend a lot of the time in character as your dad, then, in the, in the show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well, it's sort of... The show's become sort of like a double act with me and him. It's sort of... It, yes. And oh. so... And, and, it, and what's disturbing to me is in that room, obviously, as a stand-up comedian, I do jokes about lots of different subjects. But it seems to me at the moment, because this show... Because it's not quite stand-up, because it's a show, because you have to, whatever, there's a story there that you have to tell. But I, I, I feel almost unable to do stand-up at the moment without sort of slipping into this, you know. So it's just sort of <laughs> Has he seen the show? Uh, no, he hasn't. But I'd like him to see the show, on the, but I think I'd need to sit down and, and have a little conversation with him about it first. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> We're about to do the show to him uh, alone in his home. Possibly. Well, I'm going to see him in Spain. Uh, he's just moved to Spain. He just retired to Spain. So I'm going to go and see him uh, the week after the week after the festival. So I might take a tape over and say, right, this is what it's about. Because I didn't expect him to, be, to, to, to dominate it so much. How, how, has he become at all anglicised? I mean, now he's in Spain. Is he like a Brit abroad? Oh, well, he, no. He, well, he's a guy who wants to be out. He's outside wherever he is. So he spent his whole, you know, what, 30, 40 odd years in Britain, got the fucking British, you fucking, you are all the fucking same, you look down and you know at us, you make us feel like we are nothing. And, but now he's gone to Spain, he goes, I fucking hate the Spanish, I miss the British. <laughs> it, 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 so he's never, in the, it, I said, why? Because, because in Britain, everybody knows they are fucked, everybody knows. <laughs> Everything is expensive, the, the, the weather is shit, there is a camaraderie amongst the British that you don't get in Spain anymore. And you, and you say to him, yeah, but okay, because in those days he was with Franco. So he said, well, there's no Franco now. He goes, yeah, but you know, people were happier in my youth. And he goes, what? <laughs> and, he, and he's a communist. I mean, he had, nobody hated Franco more than him. So I think that's where he's comfortable. But he's somewhat, you know, as, as befits somebody of 67, 68 years old now, a very youthful 68, but he's mellowing. There are, you know, he's able to take on more things than 20 years ago. When he was, objectively speaking, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> Thank you very much, John Godillo! David O'Doherty came in for a chat before his nomination for the IFDOT Comedy Award. If anyone is taking this festival by the proverbial storm, it's my next guest. He's performing nightly to packed houses at the stand. He's sharing accommodation with Josie Long and Maeve Higgins in Edinburgh's most whimsical flat ever. Please welcome David O'Doherty! Hello. David, how are you? Um, I'm really tired. I'm doing, I do three shows every day, and that is possibly too, too many. Right. <laughs> so I, 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 I don't normally sound like this. I have, right. a new, I have a new voice for the fringe. Ah, ah. I, I, I can't really express. I don't really intonate anymore. I just do really quiet or really loud. <laughs> Those are your two emotions. Yes! <laughs> uh, now, uh, what is your, uh, your, your, your stand show called? Um, well, I do a show at nine o'clock, a solo stand-up show called Let's Comedy every night, which is a selection of uh, talking and then songs played on a tiny keyboard, mostly songs about texting and girls. And, uh, <laughs> and then I do another show at midnight in the stand with uh, my friends uh, Daniel, Alan and Andy, and where we make up a show, and that goes on until two in the morning. And then the problem is I'm doing a children's show every day at 2 o'clock, 2.20, in assembly room. So the fact that the late show often don't get, I don't get home from that till about 4, 
then having to get up at midday and do notes for the... Uh, look, it's, it's not as bad as a real job, but it's still pretty bad. <laughs> I didn't get into this to have to get up at midday and have a leisurely breakfast. <laughs> Hang on, I, I detect I'm not getting much sympathy. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, you've, uh, you've written children's books before. That is an area that you've... Uh, it's, it's a scene that you're keen to mine. Yeah, when I was in the university, I, um, I used to work with uh, kids in care a bit. And uh, uh, from that, I, I, I got two things. I got uh, worms and... <laughs> uh, something of an understanding, I think, of what uh, six-year-olds find funny. And that is people falling over. Uh, and I, actually we were stuck when I was writing this kid's show we had a wizard who's a part-time wizard and I contacted a friend of mine who's a uh, very well-known children's author and I said I need a part-time job for a wizard what is the funniest possible part-time job that five-year-olds will laugh at and he texted back about 15 seconds later he works in an underpants factory <laughs> Uh, you, you're sharing your, your accommodation, I say, with Josie Long, who's, who's the, the she organised the Boggle Championships. Did she did, and uh, came tenth in it. She was furious about oh, it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's that's not even a place in the semis, then, is it? Or the quarters? No, it's not. She went out in the first round to uh, to uh, someone that no one had heard of, to a veritable Serbia e Montenegro of the Boggle world, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she was. Uh, yeah, she was. She was quite gutted about that. It's a very fun flat to live in, though. Jo- we, we all have a similar sense of humour, and um, so it's not really a boozy flat. It's more a crafts and glitter flat. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Leo Benedictus was on uh, uh, this, the podcast uh, a while ago. He was praising your show, and what what he was praising in particular uh, was the high energy aspect of it. Is that is that something you've been able to maintain, or are you now carried on in a stretcher? Um, uh, well, it's 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 a, a fact of the room. I mean, in uh, in Edinburgh, one one is 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 told about the room that you're going to play in, and it's it's very often exaggerated. Uh, mine was trying to do a, a like a basement where there's never been a gig before in Edinburgh. Yes, it sounds like Liverpool in the early '60s, and I'm the Beatles. And then it turns out to be it's more like where a Christian would have their 21st birthday party. It's a, it's an absolutely sterile sort of like rugby club dance type room. So the only way to do the gig is by I turn the lights down really low, uh, I turn the microphone up really loud, and just say jokes really soon after one another, <laughs> which I guess is the definition of stand-up comedy. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's the first time I've realised that. Because uh, that, that venue, that is the police club, isn't it, for 11 months of the it year? It is. It's the basement of the police club. And you, you have to say, traditionally, Irish people haven't had a great time in basements directly affiliated to the <laughs> British police services. But uh, there are no confessions obtained under duress in this show. The, the lovely, beautiful David O'Doherty has kindly agreed to perform an excerpt from his show uh, for us in a moment. Uh, before he does, I would like to thank all of my guests on the podcast this morning. Tom Rigglesworth, School of Comedy, Joe Gascoigne, Harry Deansway and David O'Doherty. My name is David O'Doherty, but that won't be the title of my autobiography. To sell some more units, I'm going to call it Harry Potter and the Da Vinci Book of Sudoku. (laughs) World, you can mess with me once, and you'll probably get away with it. Mess with me twice, and chances are I still probably won't remember. But mess with me numerous times across a concerted period in a similar way and think you're going to get away with it. Well, you're wrong. Because I'm going to lampoon you through a comedy song, song, song. I'm talking about my beefs 2008. 
Things I've encountered that have left me irate. My beefs. 2008. Excuse me while I unleash some hate. Ah. Celebrity news. Stop appearing at the end of real news. You diminish the real news. And the death toll from the earthquake could rise as high as 15,000. Christina Aguilera's cat has alopecia. No! 23-year-old men, stop buying pointless accessories for your rubbish cars. This has gone on long enough. It's not the Batmobile. It's a 2002 Citroen Saxo. Blue lights underneath the chassis. Yeah, that's practical in that it stops junkies shooting up in your wheel arches. Condoms. Stop being so tricky. By that, I mean uh, the instructions, because it always goes, step one, remove the condom from the packet. No, that's where the problems start. Step one should be, meet a nice girl. Girls, text back quicker. Everyone, stop using the hottest picture of yourself ever as your MySpace or Facebook profile. You don't look like that, and you know it. And also, if you go to a fancy dress party, don't be tempted to put a picture of yourself in the awesome costume onto the internet. Because then it could happen. You hope that it doesn't, but in 18 months' time, you're trekking in the outback and you go missing. Well, then lazy, lazy journalists from shit newspapers will just find the most ridiculous picture of you dressed as a lobster. Your friend as an octopus. Have you seen these brave travellers? Do we really care? Low-cost airlines. Don't think I don't see what's going on. Every time I get in one of your flights, the seat in front of mine is moving slightly close towards my seat. Soon I'm going to start getting crushed. Even now, the aerostess comes around and goes, sorry, sir, can you take your headphones out for takeoff? They're not my headphones. They are my knees. The, the human being is no longer the ideal organism to travel long-haul economy class. The ideal organism is now the penguin. You just waddle on board and you say, excuse me, can you just lift me up and raise me into the seat, please? Excuse me, I'd like to sleep now. Can you lift me up and put me into the overhead compartment? Chicken or fish? Well, obviously I'm a fish. I'm a penguin. Chicken would be mutual flightless bird cannibalism. Finally, government advisory ads. There's so many of them in this country at the moment, and they're always the same. Don't drink and drive. Don't drink, become violent. Don't take drugs. Don't eat smelly food on public transport. And you know, you see, everyone knows you're not supposed to do those things. But those campaigns have no effect. What's needed is a new campaign that covers all of those bases at the same time. And I have it. It's this. Everybody, come on, just don't be a dick. Seriously, everybody grow up and realize that's ironic come from a man playing a three-foot plastic piano we got for his 11th birthday. But everybody, stop being a knob and everything will be fine. Otherwise, you risk being part of my beefs 2009. Uh, thank you. Tom Rigglesworth played a blinder. Yeah, good morning. Morning. I've never started a gig by saying good morning. Um, well, I have actually, but it's been like the other, you know, it's been so late. It's been good morning. So genuinely, I mean, good morning. Can you all see me? Well, let me get this out of the way. Um, uh, so that's better. Now, here I am. Uh, I'm a very thin man, you see. That's the, um, that's the problem, isn't it? I've got a unique diet, though. I, I eat what I want. Um, I have two rules regarding my diet. I can eat whatever I want, provided I buy it from a supermarket. And provided the item was picked up by someone else, but then put back in a random place. <laughs> Who are these people? You know when you just see a tin of peaches by the washing powder? And someone's clearly just gone, I'm not having it, you can't make me, you're not my dad. <laughs> and you say, well, hang on a minute, what was it about the washing powder that made you put the peaches back there? Did they, did they get halfway around and go, well, you know, we can't make a trifle and do the laundry. Or did they read the washing powder and it says, well, it removes blood, grass, egg, but there's nothing there about peach juice. 
I'm not chanting that new shirt. <laughs> I once saw a, um, a big packet of nappies dumped by the whiskey. That must have been a dark moment for someone. That must have been an all-time low. When, when adult inebriation versus infant hygiene. Fucking whiskey won. That's not a choice, is it? It's like I heard uh, two women in a queue the other day. I overheard them talking. And, um, and one said, uh, I said to my husband, you can either go on holiday or get your eyes done. <laughs> That's not a choice, is it? I stuck around. I, he actually went on holiday. I thought, God, I hope it wasn't skiing. <laughs> <laughs> I did go skiing, right? Now, now, I don't know if anyone here has um, had experience renting a car abroad. I'm sure most of you have, if you're if you Guardian readers. Uh, I assume it's cropped up at some stage. It's an expensive do. Um, and I went with a few friends to the Alps skiing, and um, we needed additional drivers. That bumped the cost up. And then we needed snow chains, more money. And then the woman says, oh, and your insurance excess is 4,000 euros. And you think, what? Uh, you mean I'm not even insured until I do 4,000 euros worth of damage? Because <laughs> I can't relax now. You know, it's not a holiday, is it, knowing that one minor prang and you're financially ruined? That's, that's, not, that's not conducive to relaxation at all. You know what I mean? A little, 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 little incident, and you might as well go on a rampage, because the holiday is over, as far as... You, that, that, you know, clip a wing mirror, you might as well plough through a school, because <laughs> the holiday part is finished. It's long gone. We, oh, and then she says, oh, you can waive the excess. You can waive the excess for 400 euros. And then you think, oh, you bastard. Now you're asking me to gamble. <laughs> How good a driver I think I am versus the conditions on the road. My dad said to drive like twats. We did it. We waived the excess, right? We paid and waived the excess. And, um, and I said, oh, hang on a minute. If we waive the excess, we don't need the snow chains. That's what we did. We bashed and smashed about for two weeks. The car was completely ruined by the time we took it back. But you know, one night we got so pissed we actually drove it down a mountain. <laughs> no, we were doing all right until we hit the moguls. And then as we were being airlifted to safety, <laughs> the helicopter pilot said, why don't you have snow chains, lads? Uh, and I said, from my stretcher, <laughs> because we'd wave the excess. And it must have been like that in the supermarket with the nappies. They must have gone, well, if we drink all this whiskey, we won't smell the shit. <laughs> Cheerio. Tom Riggles World. I really enjoyed Wilson Dixon. Hello, folks. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, I, I guess you're all readers. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't read a lot. Although, you know, I'm kind of in a... The quality, not really quantity. Uh, I've read all the books that I do own, which I don't know if anyone out there can uh, say that. The books I got, I got free when I bought a magazine about guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, this song, it's off my, uh, my, my first album, Wilson Dixon's Greatest Hits. It's a, uh, it's a song called Life. It's all about life. No surprises there. I know it's going to be pretty hard getting anything past you guys today. Being intellectuals, most of you probably. Are you all intellectuals? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of muted response that you'd expect from intellectuals. <laughs> so, uh, life. 
life uh, again. Intellectuals probably don't know really how to enjoy it, but we'll uh, just worrying too much about everything. Just let, let go. Just come on, let go and simplify. Goes a little something like this. Actually, it goes exactly like this. There you go. A man much wiser than me once said, Life is like a box of chocolates. Life is also like a lot of other things. Less like a box of chocolates than you might think. Life is like sitting on a snake. Sooner or later, it's gonna bite you in the ass. Life is like a Sudoku puzzle. Frustrating and ultimately pointless. Life is like having a conversation. You're crazy if you try and do it alone. Life's like a salmon swimming upstream. Hard work and sometimes you get eaten by bears. Life is like a big strong man in a miniskirt. Unusual, but who am I to judge? Life's like getting up in the morning and having a coffee and getting in your car and driving to work. Uh, that is life. Life, 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 life. Ooh, life, 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 life. Sing along if you know the words. Life's like dancing naked with a horse. Something you can only ever do once. Life's like the movie Titanic. Long. And you know how it's gonna end. Life is like a Star Trek convention Full of weirdos And it's best to let them be Life's like a song by Britney Spears Devoid of meaning But what the heck, let's dance Life, 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 life Ooh, life, 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 life Sounds like I'm saying flife But I'm not. Life's like a back rub from an uncle. Confusing. But you take what you can get. Life's like a bottle of whiskey. Takes years to mature sometimes makes you vomit. Life is like watching a dog lick himself. Full of impossible dreams. Life's like death, only living. 
as a man much wiser than me once said. Thanks, folks. Thanks very much. Uh, horse racing correspondent Cornelius Lysett was here to give us his festival tips. Uh, in case you missed that show, let's remind ourselves of what he said. There's a guy called Alan Cochran, um, yeah. who, uh, no, he never, gets a, he never gets a mention from anyone. I can't think of a comedian I'd rather meet at a bar and have a drink with. He's, you know, he's funny, uh, he's dry, uh, he's got some fantastic stories to tell about fatherhood over the last 12 months, and I, I think he's a must-see, and he spells his name A-L-U-N. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome A-L-U-N Cochran! Alan Cochran, were you aware of this, uh, this fan? No, uh, but I like the sound of him. Yeah. Uh, A-L-U-N, that's, it's the Welsh spelling. I'm, uh, I'm a Scottish boy with an English accent and a Welsh spelt first name. And I show off for a living. It's no real surprise, is it? I'm very confused about who I actually am. Are you having a, a nice Edinburgh so far? Yeah, yeah, it's good, especially now that I've heard clips of people who think I'm a must-see. That's, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I was in a little bit of a huff about this gig until you played that, and then I thought, yeah, it's all right gigging on a morning, after all. Um, <laughs> if they massage your ego by playing clips of people that say you're good, it's OK. Uh, I, I don't know if the podcast listeners know that this is recorded at noon but it's very rare in my stand-up comedian's life that I think I'll have some Weetabix before the show. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I'm not sure if I'm entirely firing on all cylinders comedically, but hopefully eventually the whole grain fibre will kick in. (laughs) And then I'll take this gig apart. (laughs) Uh, uh, Your show is called what? My show is quite a long and clunky title. I will... Shall I pronounce the full stops as well? It's called Alan Cochran, owner of a shed, full stop, and a son, full stop, thinks the world is wonky. It's quite a long one. And I thought the and a son bit was a joke because I like the idea of claiming ownership of my son, which, I mean, I do own him, he's mine. But, <laughs> but I actually thought it was a joke. And you know the Guardian magazine has those uh, slightly poor-faced Q&A questions with celebrities on Saturdays, and the, there was one with P. Diddy, and he was asked the question, what's your most treasured possession? As hi- and his answer, without any discernible wit or humour or irony, was, easy question, my children. And I just thought, oh, God, I've written a joke that P. Diddy is living. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> I thought you can't really own them, can you? They're, I mean, he's mine, but he's not, is he? It's, he's he's himself. He's he's a he's not a possession yet, is he? Or maybe he is now, and then he will be less so when he's got his own personality. <laughs> Discuss. How how long have you owned your son, or, uh, or had him? How long has he been in the world? He's uh, he's just over one year. His birthday was August the sixth, and I flew back from Edinburgh to Manchester to spend the afternoon with him. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice. Well, you're all going all, but I can see at least ten faces who are looking in a guardian way of going, "Oh, the greenhouse gases, the greenhouse gases, <laughs> your carbon footprint, your carbon footprint." But it's fine. I put it on his. It's all right. It's not a problem. <laughs> It's all on his carbon footprint. We use those disposable nappies, so he's not an eco-baby, to be honest. And his buggy's a diesel. So <laughs> it's just all on his carbon footprint. It does raise the interesting question of whether or not he has a carbon footprint or if it's all mine, doesn't it? 
I met somebody recently who lived in Australia and she had bought a cat from Perth. And so her cat was being flown to Melbourne. And, it, and I was going, well, that's, that's on his, it's on the cat's carbon footprint, isn't it? The carbon paw print, I don't know. Maybe they get more as well, because they've got four paws. <laughs> and we've only got two. I am thinking aloud now, but... <laughs> seems fine. Wow, uh, I should have Weetabix before gigs more often. <laughs> uh, what, what, what did you do then when you went home with your son? Did you, did you, did you actually play with him, or when you got there, you think... Uh, no, he was at the Childminders. I completely forgot. <laughs> uh, no, we got him out of the Childminders. We did put him in on the morning. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? But it's 35 quid a day. Um, so <laughs> it's childminder like grown-up minder, but just sort of little Geordie gangsters. Is that yeah, yeah, just a little child that bullies people that come in his way. That's real. <laughs> if anybody tries to kick off with him, it's like a minder. It's like he's got his own... Um, who was the actor? Dennis Great. Waterman. Was it Dennis Waterman? Oh, right, that's where I got confused. I thought it was that thing with Jimmy Nailin. What was that called? That was... Uh, Spender. Spender. Right. Call, Both excellent programmes. Yeah, yeah, in their own way. I haven't seen them. Uh, but, <laughs> but I like their titles. They both end in duh. Yeah. Uh, and always always sounds authoritative. <laughs> I was thinking appropriately, given that you got it wrong. Duh. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm a dad, but in my mind I am 12. Um, yeah, so it's good. Uh, we, just, uh, we just had a nice afternoon. We, um, I had a lot of cuddles and rolling around on the floor, which is great fun. That is heartbreakingly lovely. Yeah. Um, now, did, did you get an opportunity to hook up with your shed while you were at home? Oh, my shed is in the title, but really it's, uh, I like to think of the shed in the title of the show as a motif for me growing up. <laughs> it is. There's, there's no mention of the shed in the show. It's just in the title. <laughs> Because I am a grown-up, I, I own a shed, you know. I, it came with a house, to be honest. I didn't go out and buy a shed, but it was in the garden when we bought the house, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll have that. Um, and I've got big ambitions for the shed. I'm an ambitious man. I was, I was thinking of homebrew. I, uh, I'll offset the credit crunch by brewing my own beer. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? But so far, all it's got is, uh, is like, some gardening tools. But I do have the ambition to... Make home, but then again, I had the ambition to make my own stock for about ten years, and I've done it once. When I when I was at university, my friend Will Medvey and I we wanted to start our own pate shop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was going to be called uh, Jap and Medvey purveyors of fine foods to gentlefolk. Um, we wanted to sell stuff to rich idiots, uh, essentially, but then we realised neither of us had ever made pate before and knew nothing about it. But it's still a dream, Guardian. It is still a dream. It's, uh, it's tempting to ask where it all went wrong. <laughs> how, how did you accidentally trip up and end up in a successful show business career when you should be having a flagging pate career <laughs> to rich people? What was his name? Uh, Will Medvey. Menvey. Medvey, it's an uh, Austro-Hungarian name. It means, ah, right. uh, means honey bear. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cochran. Sarah Millican has been with us here on the podcast since the start. She's still collecting great reviews. Please welcome Sarah Millican. Hello. Sarah Millican, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Uh, yes, fine, thank you. Yes, having a grand old time. Uh, you must be getting quite annoyed with your own hype. I'm not annoyed. Why would I be annoyed if people say nice things? Is it because, are you jealous? Is no. That... Oh, no, okay. Sorry, is, is nobody saying nice things about you? Uh, well, I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't read reviews. I don't know what they're saying. Oh, should we tell them? I know you say. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I happen to have here, no. Uh, uh, that would be mean. I don't believe it. Your pocket's probably weighed down with your own reviews. Uh, no. <laughs> It's only oh, banter, isn't you. it? You know what I mean? It's very exciting. People like Sarah and I, we don't normally meet socially, and it's, uh, it's just a wow, isn't it? Um, um, yeah, there's a reason that we don't meet socially. <laughs> they, don't, sh- they don't let me in the pubs that you go in. <laughs> uh, last time you were on, you had a cold. Have you recovered? Yes, I have. Uh, I've been eating lots of uh, fruit, and, and I'm doing quite well. I've still got a bit of a, a husky voice, but um, apparently that's quite sexy. No. <laughs> Uh, you've been out and you about. Two, you two have the sexual tension of a Mulder and Scully. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go shorter than that. I'd say you two have the sexual tension of mould. <laughs> oh. That's funny. Oh. Uh, sorry. Uh, you've been uh, you've been out and about on our behalf this week. Uh, you met yes, Kate I Robbins. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. How was that? Uh, it was fun. She's really nice. I mean, I didn't, I didn't expect anything different. I don't, that sounds really bad, doesn't it? No, she was surprisingly nice. No, she was genuinely really nice. I'd only known her from the telly, from Spitting Image and things like that. Um, but she was a very nice lady. Uh, and you, you challenged her to a game of the world-famous Millikan's <laughs> Minute. World-famous, yes. Famous in this room. <laughs> yes, yeah. I did. And we had a really nice time. I obviously had to have a chat with her, first of all, because I couldn't just dive in with sort of daft questions. Daft like, questions. I, they're not daft. They're insightful, Miles. No, I think they're um, daft. I think they're insightful. Let's let the audience decide, shall we? Um, but I did ask, first of all, uh, how she started in her career. I must say, when I was a cocktail pianist in Liverpool in the 70s, which is how I started my career, people used to drink Tia Maria and Lucas Aid. No. <laughs> that yeah. was taste foul. And I heard a girl saying in Liverpool recently, hey, hey, she said, get us a, a large scotch and slim fast. <laughs> I don't know what that tastes like. But it might be good for you. Yeah. So tell me um, a little bit about your show. My show is um, talking about the fact that I started off life as a cocktail pianist and then I went from that down to London and my first songwriting commission was writing Surprise, Surprise for Sir Black. Oh, the theme tune. Another. Oh, brilliant. Yes, surprise, surprise. She used to go to hospitals and try and cheer people <gasps> up with her voice, which, you know, <laughs> typical thing to do when you're coming around from a double bowel operation and you see Scylla going, <laughs> all right, Lord. But I used, to, I used to write songs for her to sing like, um, Laura the lollipop lady, we think you're very nice. I've come to sing this song to you because you've survived cervical cancer twice. <laughs> it was awful. Really awful. You're really good at rhyming illnesses with other words. That's brilliant. What I know you from is from doing impressions on the telly. So do you do uh, impressions in your show? Yeah, well, well, I do do impressions, but it's funny. When I met Princess Anne, I used to do her voice on Spitting Image. She said to me, what do you do? And I said, "Um, I I was about to say I do an impression of you, and I thought, well, I won't. And I just said, "Uh, I'm an impressionist. And she said, oh, super. Do you have an exhibition on anywhere? Bless. I know, she thought I was an impressionist painter. I do Anne Widdicombe these days, singing, uh, singing Dido songs. She's got this break in her voice, right, so she can sing Dido really easily. I want to thank you for giving me the best years of my life in the Tory party, actually. And I do, um, I do Marge Simpson singing Macy Gray, which is... I try to say goodbye and I choke. I try to walk away and I crumble. So what I do is I do mixed genres, you know. Uh, so she's from Liverpool. That's probably where you're from, is it? Somewhere like that? I thought so. Now, um, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> uh, let's have a listen to uh, daft old Millikan's minute. Uh, the idea here is that you ask uh, French celebrities daft questions, and they have to answer as many as they can in a minute. Uh, this is Kate Robbins. She's got Felix Dexter's Eleven to beat. Kate Robbins, a Millikan's minute. Kate 
Robbins or Millican's Minute. This is Millican's Minute. Let's go, Kate. If your house was on fire, what would you leave? What would I leave? What would I leave? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, all my bills. All your bills. I like that. Um, what do you read on the toilet? <laughs> Heat magazine. <laughs> Brilliant. And what's your favourite film? Um, Sleepless in Seattle. And uh, what's your favourite non-alcoholic beverage of choice? Uh, slim Fast. Excellent. Uh, what did you have for breakfast today? Scrambled eggs, bacon, tomatoes, mushrooms, haggis, black pudding and toast. So you're not hungry then? <laughs> no, I'm going to go for lunch now. <laughs> and can you dance? Yeah. You can. Uh, what was your favourite holiday and when was it? Favourite holiday was Newquay, 1972. And if you were going for your Sunday dinner somewhere, would it be beef, pork, lamb or chicken? Uh, it'd be roast beef. Good choice. Which newspaper do you read? Guardian. What's your favourite pudding? Favourite pudding is Spotted Dick. Elvis or Cliff? Cliff. Darts or pool? Darts. Early morning or late night? Early morning. Sarah, what did Kate Robbins score? She scored 13. Well, let's see where that puts her on our leaderboard. <laughs> she asked our questions wherever she goes, but just how many do they know? It's Millican's leaderboard. Sarah Millican's leaderboard from Millican's Minute Live of the Gilded Blue in Miles Sharp, the Guardian podcast. That's where it puts her at the top, uh, ahead of Felix Dexter and Jim Bowen. Uh, Jim Bo- you interviewed Jim Bowen the other day. And, yes, did. And he said, oh, my favourite film's The Music Man. And I got sent an email by someone who said, oh, I'm in The Music Man. And I just sent him back an email saying, that is Jim Bowen's favourite film. <laughs> oh, what a lovely story. Thank you. <laughs> want you to know you make a difference to my life, however small. Um, it's very nice of you to pop back on the show. Uh, uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah Millican. Thanks for listening throughout the whole series. Do keep going to guardian.co.uk for all your news or fun needs. I'm off to learn to play the ukulele. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.